everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope the content encourages you and helps you build your faith. Now enjoy the message. We're not done. Matthew 6, verse 26. It says, God values you more than the birds in the air. He says, the birds are eating. Oh, come on. The birds are eating. If the birds are eating, so am I. It's not just a declaration of food. It's a declaration of value. He says, are you not more valuable than they? He feeds the birds of the air. Are you not of more value? In other words, to say, not only do I want to feed you, but I love you, and I care for you, and I nurture you, and I look after you more than the birds of the air. It is not merely a declaration that I know I'm going to eat lunch today because God's feeding birds. No, it is, I know that my identity is secure today because he feeds the birds. I know that he loves me today. I know that he cares for me today. I know that he wants the best for me today because he feeds the birds. One more time with a little more life. If the birds are eating, you are. You are. The Lord's going to care for you. The Lord's going to take care of you. He promises us as much in Scripture. Now I want to jump into 1 Kings 17. We're going to read about ravens feeding Elijah today and really pull from this um, what I believe God wants to speak into this season. I love this passage of Scripture. Um, I've never preached from this perspective before, so excited to dive in. 1 Kings 17, 1 through 7. It says, now Elijah, who was from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I have given the word. Let me, let me give you some context really quick, okay? Um, King Ahab married Jezebel. If that name rings a bell, you were here for our bad vibe season. <laughs> yeah, right? If it doesn't ring a bell, Jezebel is a manipulative spirit. Ooh, she's got a Jezebel spirit. Right? You've heard that. It means that is someone who manipulates behind the scenes. They don't want to be out in front. They don't want any attention. But they want to create as much manipulation, as much chaos, and as much trouble as they can behind the scenes. That is Jezebel. She was a pagan when Ahab, who was the king of the northern part of Israel, the kingdom of Judah, when he was king and he married Jezebel, he violated every principle God had given him. He, King Jezebel convinced Ahab to build a temple to her prophets, the prophets of Baal. She supported at least, if not more, 850 false prophets, and she made it her mission to go throughout the northern kingdom of Israel and find, execute, imprison, and kill prophets of Yahweh, prophets of God. That was her mission. That was what he was living in, okay? Take it a step further. The northern kingdom of Israel, where Ahab was the king, had an agricultural economy. Everything flowed on agriculture. One more step. The name Elijah means Yahweh is my God. So let's put all of this together. You have a king and a queen 
that follow a false god and they are killing everybody who claims allegiance to Yahweh. They are leading a nation that depends on agriculture to function. Elijah shows up. His name means Yahweh is my God. He stares Ahab straight in the face and he says, My God is going to stop all rain and all dew. He's going to shut you down. In other words, he is taking on the establishment. And he is on his own. He is waltzed right into town, and he is boldly, with nobody else behind him, stared straight into the face of King Ahab, and he said, a drought is coming, which is going to destroy your economy, and my God, the God of Yahweh, is going to do it. Instantly, there's a hit on his head. Dead man walking in northern Israel doing something like that. So I want you to grasp the full context of what is going on here. He didn't just come and share about a drought one day. He came, he put his life on the line, he put everything on the line, and he didn't care, and he stared Ahab right in the face, and he said, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve. That right there was worthy of a death sentence. The God I serve, there will be no dew or rain the next few years until I give the word. Yahweh is God, is his name. He is speaking on behalf of the God he serves. In other words, he just told Ahab, the God that you serve means nothing. The stuff that you're doing means nothing. And the real God, the true God, my God, is going to shut you down and he will only lift his hand when he says. Bold man. Bold prophet. Here we go. Verse 2. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. For I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord had told him and camped beside the Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat to eat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. Verse 7 favorite verses. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Baby dedication, thinking about kids. I, uh, we, we have a new baby, obviously, 11 weeks old, 12, 11, somewhere in there. I don't know. He's third kid. Who cares, right? Um, and I, I had to find, this one's not sleeping as well as the other ones. So uh, I had to find something to do to pass my time between midnight and 4 a.m. on the occasion where I would be the one picking him up and patting him. Now, to my wife's credit, you, you handle like 99% of that like a champ, but I'm, I'm always here and willing. What am I doing right now? What am I, what am I committing myself to? No, she's an awesome job, but uh, there are moments where she's just had enough, and it's daddy's turn. So uh, at 2 a.m., sitting there rocking a baby, you can't fall asleep. you got to find something to occupy your mind. Um, I can't read at that time. My brain's just not in it, and I'm sick of scrolling on social media. So I prayed and asked the Lord, and he said, download the World Series of Poker app on your phone. So that's what I did. 
I downloaded a World Series of Poker app, and it's play money. Don't get all too spiritual on me about this, right? But I started playing Texas Hold'em on there. I'm the bishop. If you, if you catch the bishop at your table, you're in big trouble, right? So I'm on there, and I'm playing, and the second I entered into this table, and it shows you that you're a rookie, you know, they get all these bracelets and all this other stuff, and these guys just start hammering me in the chat. Like 2 a.m., I'm rocking my kid asleep. I just want to play some poker and pass the time. And these guys are, oh, here's the rookie. Who's the noob? Uh-oh, we got a bishop in the house. You better watch the cussing in the chat. You know, like, I don't even know you, bro. Like, what is your problem here? And so I'm playing all conservative. I'm just waiting for it to happen. And they're all, you know, who's going to knock the, who's the newbie going to knock out first and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm just, I'm kind of like, you know, I wish I just had something that I could do that would just and boom, right in that moment, I get a suited, I get a suited, uh, it was a, a, a flush, a straight flush. So that's five consecutive cards all in the same suit. And it hit. I had two cards here. The three on the, on the flop were working for me. And I knew in that moment, the only hand that can beat it's a royal flush, and there were no face cards on the flop. So I knew I had them. I was like, this is the best hand I can get right now. No hand can beat this. There's no pairs on the board. Nothing is going to stop me now. So look, when you get the winner, you slow play that thing. You don't come out guns blazing. I was like, check. Look, look at me. I'm acting like I'm at the table. Check. No, I was really like, hmm, check, pressing the buttons, you know, rocking the baby. And so I check, and these guys start betting like crazy. And I called them first time around. And they're like, oh, look, the newbie's in. Oh, here's the bishop. He's in. Just hammering me. I'm like, you know what? I'm just, I'm good. I know I've got the best hand, so I'm not going to let you bother me. The turn comes, and at the turn, I thought, I'll bet a little bit. So I bet. <laughs> Blowing up in the chat. Oh, they're all betting and they're all talking everything else finally comes the river I knew I had the best hand and I was so excited to press that all in button four million play chips on the line baby dropped them in the pot these guys start, oh look at here bishop's bluffing who's gonna knock him out blah 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 all of them are in it was like a 25 million dollar play pot hand right and I won that thing and afterwards you know it's 2 a.m. I wasn't feeling too godly I may have had a little fun in the chat with him afterwards but here's what happened to me when I think about Elijah I think about someone who rolled into enemy territory stared in the face of a dictatorship and he knew one thing all along that he had the winning hand he knew absolutely no way, no how, is this guy going to be able to stop my God. There is nothing he can do. There is nothing he can say. There is no action that he can take. When we read this, this is why this is important. When we read the story of Elijah and we pull application from Scripture to ourselves with Elijah, we can't do it blindly like this is just what God is going to do. We have to do it under the understanding that Elijah knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, was fully committed that God was on his side and he was willing to put whatever he had to at risk. He was willing to put whatever he had to at play to say, here it is. I know my God will show up. What about yours? We have to understand that. Because you can't blindly make application and say, well, God fed the ravens. He's going to feed me. Not if you're not walking with him. You're going to see what Elijah does over and over. God promises provision. Elijah goes. Elijah's obedient. Elijah does. 
in the face of difficulty, in the face of trial, in the face of of opposition, Elijah puts everything on the line. He is fully in and 100% trusting. If you hear this story and you say to yourself, I want that kind of provision, I want that kind of blessing, I want that kind of covering for God, you have to be willing to approach it the way Elijah did. Elijah had the winning hand and he didn't care what anybody said. He didn't care what anybody did. He didn't care what Ahab did. He didn't care what Jezebel stirred up. He didn't care what the 850 prophets did. He did not care. He was standing his ground on the promise of God. That's where we have to be. So in light of that, let me walk you through the first thing we see with Elijah. 1 Kings 17, verse 1. It says, Now Elijah, who was born from Tishbe and Galeed, told King Ahab. Think about this in context. Think about this in the reality of what he did. As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. I love James 5.17. James 5.17 lets us know this was Elijah who orchestrated this. This was Elijah who prayed for this, and God just happened to move on his behalf. That's a powerful thing to see. James 5, 17 says, Elijah was as human as we are. It's us. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Lest we think that God is just going to do all of this with little effort from us, Elijah is the one who is praying. Elijah is the one who's asking God to send a drought. Elijah is the one who is orchestrating the celebration of God in a place that has gone rebellious against him. Elijah is the one who do it, and he does it by risking everything, by putting everything on the line. Alexander the Great was a a military leader, and as he was building his kingdom, the greatest opposition that he had was King Darius III, the Persians. It's a a famous story. He takes and he goes to, to fight the Persian Empire, the only largest threat to him. And so he, see, he sails across the Macedonian Sea, gets to Asia Minor. And when he gets to the shore, he tells all of his troops, he rallies them together, and he turns to them and he says, now turn around and set fire to the ships. And they burn the ships. And while the ships are burning, he stands up in front of the crowd of all of his soldiers, and he says to them, the objective has never been more clear. Either we ride home in Persian ships, or we die here. He said, the objective has never been more clear. We're taking Persian boats home, or we're dead here. So they roll in to the battle of Arbella was the name of the battle. And they fight this battle and they beat the Persian army. And after they beat them, it's said to be one of the greatest military feats on record. So what had happened was they they said he, he fought a larger opposing army on their own territory in their own kingdom, and yet overthrew them and beat them. And it is said, the only thing that was different between his troops and the Persians was their willingness to risk their lives. Their willingness to place it all on the line. When I think of Elijah, and I think of the trust that he had in the Lord, he was willing to say, my entire life, here it is. I trust you with my entire life. 
I trust you with everything that I have. I trust you with all that I am. When you get to that place, God can't help but do what God does in 1 Kings 17, 2 through 6. This is the, the meat of the story. It says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by the Kareth Brook, near where, the, where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I've commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord had told him and camped beside the Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. Verse 6, the ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. Guys, if you can, throw verse 4 up there really quick. I want you to see this. When we trust in the Lord, what does the Lord do? It says, drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. That is a military command, an irrevocable order. So he is saying, I have commanded your provision before you need it. I just need you to be willing to go with me. The provision was already there. The ravens were already circling. They already had the food ready. He just said, I just need you to go where I want you to go. He gives us a step of obedience, and he orchestrates our provision. He orchestrates our blessing. I, I told you last week, I love to tell you certain stories uh, just to, to keep you up with our history. I've told you this one before, but when we first started the church, we were, it was August 20, 2017, we started, and January 1, 2018, we were scheduled to go financially self-supporting. That's a really big deal to do that in five months. So we're on track. Everything's looking good. January 1, 2018 is coming. And I know that's the date. We, you know, we're out of mom and dad's house. We're paying our own bills. We're doing our own thing, right? Like we are, we are on our own. And so the enemy started attacking me with that. I started to get nervous. I started to worry. And I started to talk to the Lord. I started saying, Lord, uh, I, I'm, this, this date's coming. And it's coming fast. And we're still trying to figure out who we are and, and our identity as a church and everything else uh, and figure out who is who. I mean, we've been together five months, but Lord, I trust you. And the Lord just kept speaking to my heart. If you trust me, I'll care for you. If you trust me, I'll care for you. And then all of a sudden, I, I don't know, I still to this day have never met this human. I have had one conversation. My cell phone rang like two days after Christmas, December 27th. I answered my phone. He said, hey, um, this is the Ark Church? And I said, yes, it is. Uh, I, and again, my cell phone, I don't even know how he got it. I said, yeah, it is. And he said, hey, uh, I want to make a contribution to you all. I love what you all are doing. Uh, I want to make a contribution. I said, praise God. He said, uh, how do I do it? And I said, you can send something by mail. You can give online. Um, you can show up to church. And he said, well, I'm, I'm not near the church. But he said, uh, I'll, I'll mail you a check. Praise God. That was it. Uh, two days later, it was, no, it was, it was a day before New Year's Eve. It was December 30. I went to our mailbox. Our mailbox used to be uh, right next to the place at Subway. It's like posted, stamp it, stick it, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what it is. But we had a mailbox there, and I pulled in front of there, and I went to check the mail, and I remember there was a handwritten envelope. And I saw it, and I took it out, and I walked out to my truck, and I opened up the envelope. It didn't say anything on it. There wasn't a return address or anything. And I opened it up, and I pulled out a check for $75,000. And I, I am, I've never, I don't know who these people are. I've ne yeah, yeah, we can, we can celebrate that. I've never met them before. I have no idea who they are. But here's what I know. The Lord commanded that provision before I got to that point. 
The Lord had already prepared that provision. I was staying up at night. I was waking up early. I was praying. We were going. We went in one day from wondering, okay, we're going we're gonna to be on our own here. I, I, we're going we're gonna to tighten up the budget and make it to having months of income in the bank in one day. Can I tell you something? God knows what you need. He has already commanded the provision that you need. He is just waiting on you to trust Him and take the step that He's calling you to take. The ravens of your life are circling and they're prepared with your provision. They have everything that you... You want one more? Let me give you one more. That same year, 2018, right? That happens to start our year. In one day, we went from, all right, here we go, to, all right, we're good. And then the summer comes. And and everyone is telling me, hey, get ready for the summer. You know, the summer is... uh, Everybody leaves during the summer. I had someone who owns a business in town tell me, hey, when summer hits, it's half of everything. Expect revenue, people, everything to go in half. Inventory, they're talking about everything goes in half in the summer. So the summer's coming, and I'm, I'm praying again, and I'm saying, Lord, just need you. Lord, just trust you. Lord, you know how to care for us. We've seen you do it at the beginning of the year. I know you're going to care for us again. Guy calls me and says, I want to take you to lunch. Beautiful. I'm always up for a free cheeseburger, right? No, I said, show up. We sit down, have lunch. Afterwards, he slides me an envelope, and he said, hey, Lord told me to do this. Here you go. I'm like, okay, great. I, I thought it was like a Mother's Day card or something, right? I don't know, know what it was, but I take the envelope from him, went back to my truck, open it up, and I'm thinking, June and July, what are we going to do in June and July? Let's tighten up the budget. Let's make it through this year, June and July, and it was a check for $50,000. Here's what, I, here's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell you. And that's just 2018. When do I tell you some of the stories from 19 and 20? When do I tell you some of the things that God has done? But every single step along the way, God has said, I have commanded the ravens of you. I have commanded the people from people you've never met to people that you know and everything in between. I have prepared the provision that you need All I need you to do is trust me fully and take the step. I love that about this story. God had already commanded the ravens to feed Elijah at the brook of Cherith before he had gotten there. Before he was standing there. To take it a step further, I love the illustration that's brought here with the ravens. You need to know something about the ravens. In fact, we'll go back really quick to our sermon last week, Matthew chapter 6. If the birds are eating, so am I. If he cares about the birds, let me read you the Luke 12, 22-24 version. Luke actually gives us the name of the birds that's referenced. He said, then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life when you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. Verse 23, for life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Verse 24, look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. You need to know something about ravens. Ravens feeding Elijah. God using ravens. Jesus using ravens as an illustration. Leviticus 11, 13-15 tells us, These are the birds that are detestable to you. You must never eat them. The griffin vulture, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite falcons of all kinds. In verse 15, ravens of all kinds. Think about this for a moment. 
God is commanding that which is detestable. God is commanding that which in Jewish history, ravens were the toss-out bird. You weren't allowed to give them as an offering. You weren't allowed to feed them. They were were seen as like these worthless, detestable animals that you better never touch or better never have anything to do with. Yet God is using the things that the world rejects to fulfill His promises. God is using the things that people have labeled as detestable. He's using the things that people have seen as unclean. He is feeding His own prophet of Yahweh. He's feeding the own prophet of God by the very thing that their law calls detestable. And He's fulfilling a promise for it. I just want to share this with you today. If you are in here today and there's something in you that says you're not worthy enough, there's something in you that's telling you you're not adequate enough, there's something in you that's telling you you don't deserve it or you're detestable or you're unclean or you're not valuable enough, you need to know if God can use a raven to fulfill his promise, God can use you to fulfill his purpose. God has a plan for you no matter who you are, what you come from, what you look like, what you've been through, or what you have done. He uses the unclean thing to fulfill a promise in the life of Elijah, and he can use the unclean things among us as well. If the birds are eating... Come on, believe it. Believe it. If he can feed the ravens, the things that nobody cares about, of course he's caring for us too. Oh, man, what happened? Child dedication ate up all my time. All right, let's wrap this thing up. This is, this is the best part. 1 Kings 17, verse 7. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Why was there no rainfall? Elijah called for a drought. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever prayed for something and asked God to do something? Beg the Lord to move on your behalf, and he did, and the results of that answer left you empty? Left you dried up? Think about this for a second. Elijah begged God to send a drought. Elijah prophesies of a drought. And then that drought leaves him with nothing to drink. That that drought leaves him in a place of not having enough again. And yet, look at what God does. 1 Kings 17, 8-14. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. He calls him to another step of obedience. Recognize the pattern. I'm going to call you to a place of obedience... If you go, I provide. I'm going to call you to a place of obedience. If you go, I provide. Go to the brook. The ravens are ready. Go to Zarephath. The widow is ready. All you have to do is go. All you have to do is be obedient. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, Bring me a bite of bread too. Listen to her response. Verse 12. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in this house And I've only a handful of flour left in a jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of a jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. Hear that? 
He says, hey, bring me a little bit of food. God called him to a widow who was going to feed him. And she said, hey, we got nothing. We're making a little meal here and then we're dying because it is the very last of what we had. Verse 13. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Why? Because the birds are eating. The ravens are delivering. Don't be afraid. I've been here before. I've seen this before. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Say it with me. There will always be. Come on, say it again. There will always be. One more time. There will always be. There will always be. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. Over and over we see with Elijah. I'd read you the rest of the story. You want some Sunday afternoon homework? Go read 1 Kings chapter 18. Go read 1 Kings chapter 19. How did Elijah know that the widow would always have food? How did Elijah know that God would show up and he would send fire on his altar and reject the prophets of Baal? How did Elijah know when Ahab and Jezebel put a hit on his life and came after him to kill him? How did he know he would be protected? Because over and over And over again, he had seen God's provision. Our past is God's promise of provision in our future. Knowing what I have been through has prepared me to trust him even more in my future. I've already been through it. I'm not worried about a pandemic because in 2018, God provided like crazy. He did that. He had stuff show up in the mail. We didn't even know what was coming. We didn't even know who it came for. What am I worried about a pandemic? I finished 2020, roll into 2021, and the first week I'm in a 14-day quarantine. How do I know God's going to move? How do I know everything's going to be okay? How do I know that he's going to continue because in 2020 God is through? How do I know he's got greater things for our future? Because I stood in this building when there was nine people and cried out to him to open up the doors. And today the doors are open and we have no chairs. We have people in overflow. How do I know what God is going to do? I can trust in my future and his promises because of his faithfulness in my past. I've been through it. I'll give you a quick illustration to end. If you, if you are a parent of one child, where are you at? Where are you at? Parents of one child, look at me. Let me see you. Raise your hands. Okay, all of these people, these are the ones who have hand sanitizer on them right now. They have like everything organic. They've got a diaper bag packed for an apocalypse. I mean, they've got like 17 days worth of food and diapers and snacks and, and all of everything that you could ever want or need. These are the people that call the nurse on call when their kid sneezes, right? They're Googling symptoms. Like, oh, it's the first baby. It's first baby syndrome. They go, wow, they don't let anybody hold their kids for 24 months, right? Like, oh, no, thanks. Just, just, was just born 18 months ago. I don't want you to come near. Just, just look from a distance, okay? Now, who, who in here, uh, you've got three or more kids? Three or more kids. These are the people that need counseling. Look around the room. You see them? Those are the people that they need counseling, like big time. These are the people, they don't even know where like the third one's at, but they're pretty sure they're going to show up for home when they're hungry, right? Like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. 
These are people that leave the house and forget the diaper bag. We did that the other day, Anna and I. We were leaving the house, baby number three, right? We left, didn't even have, I forgot our diaper bag at home, right? First time parents are like, how did you cope, you know? We didn't even have a diaper bag or anything. We got in a store and Anna was like, well, what do we do if he explodes, you know? I'm like, I don't know, I got some Chick-fil-A napkins in the glove box and some masking tape. We'll, we'll put something together. Like, he'll be fine, you know? He's okay. I'm not worried about anything. Why? Because I've been through it two other times. I've already been there. I've already done it. And I did it once, and then I did it a second time, and now we're on a third time. And the things that freaked me out the first time, we laugh about right now. The things that wound me up, charged me up, and freaked me out the first time, they don't even register this time. Why? Because I've been through it. Sometimes we just need to look back and see what God's taken us through. Sometimes we just need to look back and say, Lord, you've taken me through this. Lord, you've brought me through this. Lord, it's 2021 and I'm still standing and I'm ready for more. I'm ready to see what you have. It is his past faithfulness that gives us future promise. Everybody, thanks again for joining us. We believe God has something great for your life and we hope this message encourages you to take the next step in your faith. Have a great week.